All right, here we'll say good morning, good morning. It is, what, what a way to bring in Rosh Chodesh El, Baruch Hashem with Maseches Ksuvas. Beautiful davening together, beautiful black gemara ahead of us. Not a lot of time to do a lot of gemara, but Emir Tzashem, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make a, we're gonna make a go for it. Wanna begin Emir Tzashem by thanking all of our sponsors. So thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for Chodesh Elo, Shandy and Avram Kelman from Eretz Yisrael, in honor of Yechiel's engagement to Alana Falik, and in memory of their parents, Jerome and Benice Kelman, and Alexander and Frederica David Aleyma Shalom, Zichron Livrach, we hope that the merit of our Talmud Torah. Come under the chuppah b'sha tovah u'mitzlachas and all of the neshamas have an aliyah and the families in nechama. Daf Yomi share in the schus of Rafur Shlema for Yehuda ben Michal. He should have a Rafur together with Kol Chole Yisrael. And our Daf Yomi share today sponsored by Greg and Rina Tressman in commemoration of the yard site of Greg's mother Dori Tressman. Zechron lebrach. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the neshama have an aliyah and the family in nechama. Blessed right. with that, let us begin. A lot to do today. A really beautiful Daf ahead of us today's Daf. Is Nun Gimel fifty three. We we left off. We left off, right? Good. We left off Nun Beis and Beis. So let's actually pick up. Let's actually pick up with um, the Gemara says. Well, it's it's really actually Mi'ika. It's just the line. So remember again, just to reorient ourselves a little bit. The Mishnah introduced us, although we've been introduced long ago, to the concept of Ksuvas Benin Dichrin. So what our Mishnah gave us was the actual was the actual phraseology that is used in the Ksuva, where there is a line that ultimately oh, I'm sorry, and I forgot to announce. The Shir today is also dedicated by Sima and Sayyid Haken, the refreshments as well, in honor of Rosh Chodesh Elul, Sayyid's birthday. Sayyid, what number? What number? Over fifty. Over fifty. And under and I don't know, okay, yeah. <laughs> Over 50, over 50, good. Alright, so let's, uh, with that, with that let, us, let us continue. So remember again, the Mishnah introduced us to the concept or the phraseology of the Ksuvas Benin Dichrin. Now remember again, we've already been learning about this, but this is a unique phrase written into the Ksuva, where a man marries a woman, Ruve marries Rachel, and in the Ksuva it says, any sons that we have together, sons that we have together, will solely inherit your ksuva, independent of any other Yerusha considerations. This was such an important piece of the marriage contract that the Mishnah tells us, even failure to actually write or incorporate this clause, it's still binding. It's still binding because the Mishnah tells us it is a, it is a Tanai Beisdin. It's just the stipulation of Beisdin. And Rebosa, as you said yesterday, no different than what's the halacha if a man fails to write a ksuva altogether. Ruvein marries Rachel Mazel Tov, you know, in the, in the hectic pace of the wedding, they forgot to write the ksuva. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? They have a ksuva. They have a ksuva. Why? Because it's a Tanai Beisdin. A Tanai Beisdin does not need to be actually recorded in order for it to be an effect. Ksuvas benin dichrin is the same idea. So says the Gemara, so what the Gemara was bothered by is one second. The concept of Ksuvas benin dichrin means that a father is ultimately going ahead. Now remember, the Mishnah said, why, just quickly, why are we doing this? Why, why are we writing Ksuvas benin dichrin? We want fathers to give their daughters dowry, right? What's the challenge? If the father knows in the potential that Chas and Shalom, his daughter, predeceases her husband, that the husband is going to inherit everything as much as the father-in-law likes his son-in-law, Lamaisa, he's nervous about the fact that all of his property is going to go now to the son-in-law and the son-in-law's family. So in order to go ahead and allow the father to comfortably give his daughter dowry, what we do is we keep it in their bloodline. So this way the father knows that even Chas Shalom, if my daughter 
if my daughter passes away, predeceases her husband, any dowry that I give her will pass down to her children, her sons, and her sons only. To which the Gemara said, but one second, aren't you, aren't you essentially circumventing biblical inheritance law? You're taking property that would have normally gone to the sons, now you're giving it to the daughter. This is where we're picking up on both sides. So the Gemara says, Hanami do It's uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, the Pasik says, now again, it's interesting that it calls this a Daraisa. The Pasik says, take wives, have sons and daughters, and take for your sons' wives and your daughters' gift of men. So it's interesting, I have the ability to marry off my sons. Because in general, it's easier to navigate a shidduch for a boy. El bansei mi kaimen biyade. But does a man really have the power to marry off his daughters? Yeah. Hakamashwalan Daniel Bashab and Nikseb and Nesivla Midi Midi Kiheche de Kafzi Aleva Asun Naspile. Yeah, there's a way to ensure your daughter gets married. What's the way to ensure your daughter gets married? Give her a big dowry. If you give her a big dowry, it's amazing. It's amazing how the chasanin come out of the woodwork. That was, and I also understand, understand, this goes back to what we always say, which is the construct of marriage that the Gemara is operating with is a fundamentally different type of relationship, right? Again, emotions are not really part of the control, so you have to understand something. In the, in the Talmudic construct of marriage, it's quite fascinating, where do, when, when does love occur? When does love occur? After you get married. In other words, there's no notion of falling in love and the birds chirping and the rainbows and all this kind of stuff, right? That's Disney. Well, it used to be Disney before all this stuff, right? <laughs> right? But, 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 but Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, again, no, none of that, none of that is, this doesn't go into it. So the idea is, remember, marriage, marriage was a financial issue. For a woman, it gave her financial security. And for a man, it could also give him financial security if his wife is coming in with, if his wife is coming in, with a dowry. So what's the way, says the Gemara, to ensure that your daughter gets a shidduch? Give her a good dowry. So therefore, again, it's also the Raisa. Vat Kama. How much should a man give to his daughter? How much of his estate should he go ahead and give to her to dowry? One-tenth of your estate. Pretty incredible. Which is a pretty significant dowry to give a daughter, especially if a person has more than one child or more than one daughter. That's, that's a lot of property. Give one-tenth, one-tenth of the dowry. Ve'ema, da'ab liros, da'balo liros. To which the Gemara says, well, why don't you go out and say like this? Maybe, remember again, does like this. It says that the sons inherit the entirety of their mother's ksuva. Now, remember, remember, there are two parts of the ksuva. There's what's called Iker ksuva, which is the 100 or the 200, depending on if it's first marriage or second marriage. And then there's the dowry. So why don't we say that the sons, the avliros, the baliros. Maybe ksuva spenindichrin should say, the sons of Reuven and Rachel, should inherit their mother's dowry portion of the ksuva, but maybe not the 100, 200 part. To which the Gemara says, Imkain av nami minni below kasav. Now we'll say, again, the father wants to know that everyone has skin in the game. So the same way that the sons will inherit their mother's portion from the, fa- from the husband, so therefore the sons will also inherit the portion from the father. Maybe the only time we should include this phrase is when the father gives a significant dowry, but if the father doesn't give the significant dowry, then the said the husband shouldn't have to write, shouldn't have to write the clause. Well, so remember, let me just to be clear, Ksuvas Penindirchen covers two parts. 
It says, right, Ruvay marries Rachel, and Ruvay writes in the Ksuva, your Ksuva will be inherited by our sons, the sons we have together. There are two parts of that Ksuva. There's the Ikra Ksuva, which is the 100s of the 200s, that's Ruvay's obligation towards Rachel. And then the rest of her Ksuva is her dowry. So the Gemara says, well, one second, let's say Rachel's not coming into the marriage with any dowry. There's no dowry, no dowry. So why should Ruvain be chayiv to go ahead and pledge the ksuva to their sons as opposed to just letting it fall to the general estate? To which the Gemara says, look, Rabbanon. Ultimately, again, Chazal don't make a distinction. I tiros. Why don't we say that therefore daughters should also inherit the ksuva of their mother? The Gemara says, Because the rabbis made ksuvas bin indichrin like inheritance. And just like inheritance is inherited by sons and not by daughters, so too, this is inherited by sons and not by daughters. Bas ben abanos teros. Why do we let? What if there are only daughters? Let the daughters inherit. Lo plod rabbanon. Chazal did not make a distinction. Why don't you go ahead and say? We'll say that again. Subas ben indifferent should allow the sons to inherit even metaltal and movable property. Ultimately, Chazal made it like a ksuva, and just like a woman on her ksuva only has a claim against her husband for real property, so to ksuvas bin indifferent only devolves upon real property as well. Titro mimishibadi, maybe the sons should have the ability to go ahead and collect from the chasim mishibadi. Let's say their mother, her, their mother sold off, or the father, really the mother, sold off parts of her dowry during the marriage, maybe after her death, the sons should be able to go back and collect it. To which the Gemara says, Yarsun tnan. it has the din of Yerusha. And just like after a parent passes away, Yarshim, heirs, don't have the ability to go back and seize any sold properties. So too, they have no ability to seize sold property here as well. The reason was, We're going to talk about this sugya in in a couple of weeks from now. But, to, but the, the concept of Mosar Dinar ultimately is that in order to go ahead and, in order to go ahead and collect, um, in order to collect suva, there has to be something left in the estate afterwards. So perhaps, we're not, again, I'm not getting into the technicalities of this now, but the Gemara says maybe Ksuvah Spenendichrin should be collectible even if it leaves nothing else in the estate, to which the Gemara says, As much as Chazal has a vested interest in Ksuvah Spenendichrin, if the collection of Ksuvah Spenendichrin is going to shter, is going to undermine the rest of the inheritance, then Ksuvah Spenendichrin is suspended. Again, I will say, we'll see what that means in a little bit. Well, it's an incredible story. Rav Papa, I'm sorry for the speed that we're going. Rav Papa, listen to this story. Rav Papa made the shidduch, made the shidduch for his son with the daughter, with the daughter of Abba Surah. Okay, good. So, Mazatov. So, Rav Papa was going over to the house of Abba Surah to write up the ksuba. Now, I remember again, now what he's really going, what is he really going for? When we say write up the ksuba, what is he going for? He's going over to Abbasura to see Abbasura, how much are you giving for your daughter's dowry? So right, he's going over to the house, the in-laws of right, the Machatum are meeting, how much is the dowry gonna be? So watch this. Kimatla Pisra. Sorry, sorry, let me skip the line. Good. Shama Yehuda Barmaremar. Yehuda Barmaremar heard that his friend Raf Papa was going to write up the Ksuva. Nothing. Asai is Khazile. So so Yehuda Barmaremar comes out to say Mazel Tov. He walks with Raf Papa a little bit. 
when they got to the house of Abbasurah, Yehuda was going to leave it, right? Yehuda was going to leave. I'm not, I'm not going in with you for this. This is like financial negotiation. I'm not going in. So So Rapapa says to Yehuda, come in. Come in with me. Tap of Nun Gimel. So what happens? Rapapa saw that Yehuda did not want to come inside. He didn't want to go into the house of Abbasurah. Amrle my daitech. What what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Is it because Mishum the Amrle Shmuel that Rabbi Yehuda shinina? Because is it because of what Shmuel said Rabbi Yehuda shinina? Both say shinina means sharp one. It's a compliment. Sharp one. Lo tehevi ba'abure achsanta afilu mi brat bishal bratava. In general, both say this is such a profound idea. You should never really be part of the moving of inheritance. Don't be part of a don't be part of a transaction or don't be part of a of a situation where a father is moving over inheritance from one child to another, even if he's moving it, even if he's moving it from a bad son to a good son. Why? Why? Because a father might say to himself, you know, my kid Ruvain is terrible. He's terrible, right? Ter- I shouldn't say he's doing terrible things. Shimon, Shimon is a malach. Shimon is a malach. You know what? I'm going to move the inheritance from all from Ruvain to Shimon. Ruvain to Shimon. So Shmuel said to Rabbi Yehuda, don't be there when a father does that. Why? Because the truth is it's a mistake. Because even if Ruvain's doing the wrong thing now, you never know what? You never know what? Future generations that may come from Ruvain and the inheritance you give Ruvain ultimately could benefit future generations. The Choshik Yisrael said, by the way, what a Gemara to read on Chodesh Elul. What a Gemara to read on Chodesh Elul. See, sometimes we look at ourselves and we're down and out, right? And we look at ourselves and we're disappointed. We're disappointed for a lack of accomplishment. I'm disappointed for all of the mistakes that I've made. But the truth is, sometimes in life we make the mistake of only judging ourselves based on what we are right now. But we forget, my Zara nafik minei. Zara, I say, does not just have to be your biological offspring. You know what your ultimate Zara is? Your ultimate offspring? Ela told us Noah. Noah. These are the generations of Noah. What are the generations? What, what was what was the greatest? What was the greatest offspring that Noah ever had? Who was the greatest offspring that Noah ever had? Noah. Sometimes the greatest thing you create in life is not your children. The greatest thing you birth in life is you. You can make you. You can create you. You can recreate you. Ela told us Noah. What are the generations of Noah? Noah. The Gemara says over here, sometimes I'm a bra bisha. Sometimes I'm a son who's not doing the right thing. But it's okay. You never know. You never know about say what type of offspring that you could produce. Not biological offspring, personalistic offspring, the offspring of change, the offspring of Maisentovim. Who knows what you could accomplish? Certainly you shouldn't be part of where you see a father moving inheritance from a, do- a son to a daughter. So Rapapa says to Yehuda, maybe you're uncomfortable because by, by Abba Surah writing dowry to his daughter, what is he effectively doing? What is he effectively doing? He's moving inheritance, what would potentially be inheritance from sons to a daughter. To which... Rabbi Papa says, don't worry. Rabbi say, but that's okay. Writing a diary to your daughter is a takonos chafadim. This is what we're seeing, right? This is what we just saw before. Halacha, Chazal want 
a father to write a sizable dowry to his daughter. Why? Because Chazal want the Jewish girls to get married. And this helps to facilitate marriage. Amr so will say, watch this. So, so Yehuda said, true. So ultimately Yehuda says, that's true. But Rapapa, I'm concerned that the reason you're asking me to come inside to the house of Abba Surah is why? You're hoping that my presence is going to force Abba Surah to give more. Right here, Papa's showing up with Yehuda Bar These great Rabbanim are showing up in my house. They're going to sit at my table. And what is everybody going to be looking at? The amount of money I'm giving my daughter, the dowry. And so Yehuda shows up. It's a, it's a strong arm tactic. Papa's, what are you talking about? I'm just saying, come with me. We'll make a lachayim together. I'm not asking you to strong arm anyone. I'm not asking you to go ahead and compel anyone. I'm just inviting you to come along. Yehuda said, my mere presence is going to be perceived as a pressure to, as a pressure to Abbasura. Okay. Nevertheless, Rapapa compelled Yehuda. Yehuda comes in. They both say, watch this story. So Yehuda is sitting at the table, Ishtik v'yasiv. He's just sitting there silently. He does, he's not saying a word. Savar hahu mirsas rasas. Rabbi say, this is incredible. So you have to imagine the scene over here. Abbasura, Abbasura is writing the diary for his daughter, right? The chassin, the chassin, the son of Rav Papa. Yehuda is sitting there silently. So Abbasura is writing the ksuva. Yehuda is silent. Abbasura interpreted Yehuda's silence as what? As Yehuda being angry. As Yehuda being angry. Angry. What's the, what's the word? Kamsun. Uh, he's such a miser. Right? You're not giving your daughter. So what does he do? Kasve l'chol mai dahavile. Abbasura wrote his entire estate into the ksuva. L'sof, Amrle, and Yehuda's still quiet. At this point, Abbasura loses it. Amrle, hashta lami lo mishta imar. Yehuda, still you're not saying anything? Chayei demar lo shavak nidelen avshay. I don't have a penny left in my name and you're still not happy? You're still not I will say, by the way, what a, what a maisa. What a, this is maisim b'chol yom. That we interpret, so the whole chap over here is, right, Abba Surah interprets Yehuda's silence as Yehuda being upset that Abba Surah is not generous. And meanwhile, we, why is Yehuda silent? Why is he silent? Why is he silent? I just want to get involved. I just don't want to get involved. So Abu Surah loses it. Still, you're not talking. I gave my daughter everything. You're still not talking. So Amrle Yehuda finally says something. So he says, if you ask me, I think you gave too much. I think you totally gave too much. So Abu Surah, okay, good. Can I retract this? No, no, no. The one thing you don't want to be is a hadrana. Hadrana, loosely translated, is an Indian giver. Right? Actually, you allowed to say that? I don't know if you want to say that anymore, right? Okay, good. I don't want to. I just say so. So again, yeah, I know, I know. No, no, no. Just say so again. So lemaisa, lemaisa again. Hadrona means don't be the kind of person who gives stuff and then takes it back, right? So I'll say so. By the way, what, what? What? So first of all, an incredible, incredible story. Incredible, incredible story. I will say that lemaisa again. Just the Musar Haskilaness. The Musar Haskilaness. I will say is that. At the end of the day, halacha lamaisa. So first of all, the point of the story is, the point of the story is that lamaisa, you should give a good, uh, a good amount of, of the dunya, right? of nad and of dari to your daughter. But lamaisa, what's also profound about this is an interpersonal, is an interpersonal lesson. 
about how so often we jump to conclusions about what people are feeling or what people are doing when all we should really do is ask instead of trying to surmise what it is that they're feeling or what it is that they're thinking. And Carol, I will say the other piece, third lesson, Hadrana lo kamina. When you give your word, give your word. Right? When you do something, do right. When you commit to something, commit to something. And sometimes, even if Lamaisa, it turns out that what I've committed to is detrimental, obviously sometimes a person has to back out of certain things. But Lamaisa, there's a yesod of Motzah Svasecha Tishmar, that when I make a commitment to something, honor the commitment. Now watch this. Let's say a woman sells her ksuva to her husband. So we'll say, see now, this is an interesting case. What's happening here is, She's a woman could sell her ksuva. We're going to talk about this. Now, we'll say, now, how do you sell your ksuva? How do you sell your ksuva? Essentially, what are you selling? You're selling the future. You're selling the future. Now, remember again, the sale of a ksuva is really only meaningful if what? If what? Upon death or divorce, right? Either the husband dies, right? Or, or they get divorced. Technically speaking, if you buy a ksuva and the wife predeceases the husband, what's the value of the ksuva? Zero. So, we'll say, so now, watch this. Now, the truth is, the only time a ksuba has value in the event that the wife dies is ksuba spinendichre, right? Because then, so then the kids will, the sons will inherit it. So now, here's the case. Wife sells her ksuba to her husband, an interesting case. So what's the shayla? Yeish la ksuba spinendichre, o in la ksuba spinendichre. Ultimately, again, so the Gemara says, so is there a concept? In other words, if she sells the ksuba to her husband, does that sale negate ksuva spin indifferent or not? Forget about a case of sale. What about a case of mochalas? She forgives the ksuva. She just forgave the ksuva to her husband. Ksuva is a debt. Is a debt. Ruvain owes me a thousand dollars. Can I be mochal? Can I be mochal the chov? Can I be mochal it? Yeah. So now husband owes wife a ksuva. What if she's mochal the ksuva? So does that also go ahead and forgive the ksuva spin indifferent? I'm asking a case of Mocharis, why? Because the case of a sale is stronger. Because they both say, why would a woman sell her ksuba? Why would a woman sell her ksuba? Why? She needs money. That's what's happening over here. She needs money. And I will say, when a person needs money, it's as if literally, it's as if a person is being whipped. With, uh, with a whip that has iron pieces at the end. In other words, financial duress, financial duress is overwhelming. And when a person is experiencing financial duress, they may even sell those things that are closest to them. A ksuba for a woman is a very important thing. So in a case, so I will say, that's where Adafka asking the case ultimately of a sale. Because of a sale, there's an element of duress. So again, if Mochelish is just forgiving it, okay, that's whatever's going to be true by, by Mechira, it's certainly going to be true by, Mechi, by Mechila. Amrava, Pshitali, it's obvious to me. Mocheres ksuva salachirim. If she sells her ksuva to others, yeshla ksuva spinindichrin. The, the clause of ksuva spinindichrin still applies, which I'm both saying is something amazing. So let's say Rachel sells her ksuva to a third party, a future right to a third party. If she dies, if she dies, her sons will still inherit her dowry. So therefore, again, the sons have the ability to extract that property from whoever it's been sold to. My time, but what's the reason for that? Zuzi Ansua. In a case of sale, we assume that she is experiencing financial duress. 
If she simply forgives her ksuva to her husband, there is no ksuva spinin clause. My time, oh, what's the reason? She's been mochal. She's been mochal. So, by Rava, Rava asked, So, now let's circle back. Here's what we know. When a woman sells her ksuva to others, the ksuva spinin clause still applies. If she's mochal her ksuva to her husband, the ksuva spinin doesn't apply. Aye, so what's the one case that's still outstanding? Watch this. What happens if she sells her ksuba to her husband? How do we look at that case? Is, that, is a sale a sale a sale? And whether she's selling it to her husband or she's selling it to someone else. That's a case of mechira. And in mechira, ksuba has still applies. Or do we look at a case of a sale to a husband, like a mechila to a husband, and therefore no ksuva has been in dechim? Basa debai hadav hashda. After they asked it, they they, they answered it. Mocheres ksuva lebaila ki mocheres laachirim dami. Shabbos say sentin halacha. There are two cases. There's a sale and a mechila. Now remember, mechila could only happen to who? Could it happen to who? To the husband, right? Obviously, she only be mochal. So when she is mochal ksuva, the halacha is ksuva has been in is null and void. If she's mocha v'ksuva, husband now again, if she dies, husband inherits everything. In a case of mechira, of a sale, whether she's selling to the husband or selling to a third party, if she dies, ksuva spenendichren still applies. Because we assume the motivation for a sale is financial duress, and therefore ksuva spenendichren still applies. Incredible. Masei ravidi bar avin mesa. Ein yarshin shalzeh, ve'en yarshin shalzeh, yarshin ksuvasa. They both say, back to our Yivamas days. Don't get the shakes, right? Don't get nervous about this. Only for a couple of moments, right? So I say, remember again, we had the case in Yavamis. This is the case of an eight echad comes along and tells Rachel, your husband died. Ruvain died. What does Rachel do? She marries Shimon. It turns out that who comes to the Shavar Brachas? Who comes to the Shavar Brachas? Ruvain. He is Panam Chadoshos, right? So, 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 so now, right, Ruvain shows up at Shavar Brachas. So I say, now we have a problem. What's the Alocha? She has to leave both husbands. None of that, the Gemara says. If she dies, if she dies, right? So neither set of heirs have the ability to inherit her ksuva. Yes, ksuva. Ksuva samayavidite. They both say there's no ksuva. There's no ksuva in either of these cases. In fact, the is not only does she have to leave husband one and husband two, but there's no ksuva from either of those husbands. So what do you mean that neither of the Yarshim get the Ksuva? There is no Ksuva. Papa, Ksuva spinendichren. Oh, what are we talking about? Ksuva spinendichren. Va'amai. Ha'chanami lema yetzer ansah. Now we'll say, but over here, why don't we say halachalamaisa again? This was the case the same way that if she sells the Ksuva, if she sells her Ksuva, we say zuze ansah. Ultimately, again, there is financial duress. That's why halachalamaisa. She goes that the ksuva spinning difference still applies. So why do we say over here also, Yetzir Ansa, she had a desire to get remarried, right? She wanted to get remarried. It's extenuating circumstances. And therefore there should be ksuva spinning different as well. To which the Gemara says, Hasam Knasu de Kansu Rabbanon. We'll say, right, it's Knas. It's Knas. Part of the Knas, we'll say, remember again, back to our Yuvam says for just a moment, the whole you sold, the whole you sold of relying on Eid Echad to allow a woman to get married is based on what? The fact that what is she going to do? She's going to do her due, di- her due diligence. When she doesn't do her due diligence, we penalize her. We penalize her. Part of that penalty is what? That halacha l'maysa, no ksuvas bin indichren. 
Incredible. So the Gemara says, goes right there. So the Gemara says, Yosef Rabin Bar Chanina Kamei Drav Chista V'Yosef Yikam Mishmei Drav Yelazar Mocheles Ksuvasa Labayla Inla Mizonos. Interesting case. If a woman is mochel her ksuba to her husband, she no longer gets mizonos. Which I must say, what's the logic of that? The logic of that is the logic of that is mizonos is a tnai ksuba. Right? Is one of the functions of ksuba. And therefore, halacha lemaisa, if she is mochel her ksuba, then lemaisa there is no mizonos. He said, had this statement not been said in the name of a great man, I would have said. That is such an un, such an ungrateful thing. Here, the wife is being mochal or ksuba. And I both say, who benefits when the wife is mochal or ksuba? Who benefits? Who benefits? The husband. The least he could do is support her. In other words, give her a zonos. So why, why would why would we penalize her more in the event that she's mochal? To which she wants to So both listen to this. Also, say, now, by the way, that happens to be the halacha. Right, the Rabbis halacha that if she is if she is mochelus or ksuba, then halacha lemaisa, then halacha lemaisa. Ultimately, again, she no longer gets mizonos. Right? Why not? Because again, it's just it's a technical issue because lemaisa mizonos is a, a function of ksuba. Suppose listen to this story. All these rabbanim are sitting together. What happened? Asa gavra tishchiva arusasa. There was a guy, right, Ruvain. He had erusin with Rachel. Erusin with Rachel. What happened? Rachel passed away during Erisin. During Erisin. So Rabbi Yosef said, Amrulei, zil kavar, havlok suvasa. So he said to the chassan, bury your kala, you have, you, have, in other words, you have to pay for a burial, or pay out her ksuva to her heirs. Pay out her to her heirs. Amrulehu ravchia, tanina, really? So, so in other words, Ravchia was bothered by this. Are you saying, therefore, that a husband during Erisin has a chiv of kvur? And I remember again, Rabbi Yosef, the obligation that a husband has to bury his wife is a function of what is also what? Also what? A tonight ksuva. So what they're telling is this guy that apparently there's a din, there's a din of ksuva even during Erisin. Is that true? But we learned, Ishto arusa onin velometamela. The both say if a man has Erisin with a woman and she passes away, if he's a Kohen, he doesn't become Tameh for her. There's no Aninus for her. So too, she has no Aninus and no Tumah for him. Similarly, if she passes away, he does not inherit her. If he dies, she collects her Ksuva. Now, the reason she collects her Ksuva is because he died. But if she dies, there's no Ksuva that he's obligated to pay out. To a Yershin. If that's the case, why would he have the Chiv to go ahead and bury her, to pay for her burial, if burial is a Tanaik Suva? To which the Gemara says, Because I will say ultimately again, why is it that Halacha that if she predeceases him, ultimately again, there is no claim, right? There is no claim for Ksuva or for burial. Ultimately, you know, because remember again, ksuva is, collect- is collectible upon death or divorce from the husband. So again, there is no ksuva collection if the wife predeceases her husband. So therefore, I both say ultimately again, Rabbi argued back on this and said the arus, 
should have no obligation to pay for the burial of his arusa. So the Gemara says, Ki asa ravin amreish lakish, arusa shemesa in laksuva. If an arusa passes away, she has no ksuva. Which is another way of saying there's no ksuva payment, and the arus has no obligation to pay for her burial. Amrulu abaye abaye says, zilu amrule. Go say to him, go say to Reish Lakish, Shakila, Amadeus, Shakila, Tibusech, Shadjiach Isri. Take your good and throw it on the thorn bushes. It's one of these phrases that sounds much better in the Aramaic than the translation. I will say the idea is take your good and throw it on the thorn bushes means you're not doing anything for us, right? What you think you're doing, you're not doing anything. In other words, we already had this halacha before. And Hoshi already said this in Baba, mainly that an arusa doesn't have a ksuba. And therefore, I will say, for our purposes, if the arusa predeceases her arusha, she passes away during erusin, halacha lemaisa what? Halacha lemaisa, he is not obligated to pay for her burial. Incredible. So I will say, it's got a little bit of a few minutes left. Remember, remember, the next part of the Mishnah was what? The next part of the Mishnah was that a man writes in a ksuba, any daughters we have together will be supported by my estate. In other words, can live in my house, are supported by my estate until when? Until you get married. Until they get married. So the Gemara says, we have different versions of this. Rav, Rav Tani, Rav says that the father commits to support his daughters until they get married. Until they get married. But Lady Tani, Lady says, until she becomes, until daughter becomes a Bulgaris. The Rav, Afagav de Bogar. So is Rav saying that Allah Halamaisa, if a girl becomes a vulgaris but hasn't yet gotten married, the father still has an obligation to support her. The lady afagav the insid, and the lady say lemaisa again, even if she gets married, right? That halacha lemaisa say ella bagar below insid, insid below bagar ducholi amalo pligi. Rather, the boss goes without saying, if a daughter becomes a vulgaris, the obligation for support stops. Similarly, once a daughter gets married, even before bagrus, the obligation to support stops. In other words. So, so support is terminated, when I say terminated, the obligation for a father to support his daughter ends at one of two intervals, either at badros or when, or when? At marriage. At marriage. So, pliki, pliki, Shabbos say, where does the machlokes come up? Barusa below bagar. Here's an interesting case. What happens if a father, if the girl gets, if the girl, if the girl becomes an arusa and she's a nara, she's not a bulgaris, she's a nara, so I will say, what is a father's obligation towards his Na'ara daughter during Arisen? Right? Fascinating. Because remember, again, everyone agrees, right? If she becomes a Bulgaris, no obligation for support. Nisuin, no obligation for support. There's this interesting window. What happens if she's an Arusa and a Na'ara? Or an Arisen and Na'aros? Is there an obligation for support? To which the Imara says, so, so keep the Gibarus of the Bagar. The Gentan de Masnisa, add the Tibagrun, the Yamtis Mane and the incident. So, we'll say ultimately, again, this is what Lady had also. According to Lady, the way it was written was, I will support you until you become a Bulgaris and the time for your marriage comes about. So, the Gibarus says, Tarti, you need both of those things. Ella O Tisbagrun, O Yamtis Mane is Nasba. Rather, what it means is like this the father says, I'll support my daughter. Either, either until she becomes a Bulgaris or until the time for her to get married comes out. I will say, what does it mean the time for her to get married? I will say, remember again, Bismani Gimara, how did it work? There was time between Erisin and Isuin. How much time between Erisin and Isuin? 12 months, a year. A year, we'll call it 12 months. Right? So, my what the father says is like this. In Levi's version, it's like this. 
father agrees to support his daughter either up until the time that she becomes a Bulgarian or up until the time she should be getting married, which means what? That during Erisin, during Erisin, he agrees to continue to support her, right? Assuming she's not yet a Bulgarian. When does that, when does that obligation, when does that commitment to support her terminate? 12 months after Erisin. At that point in time, the father says to the chassan, listen, you're supposed to marry her now. And if you're not marrying her now, Lamai say again, I'm no longer providing support. Support will now fall upon you, which is what say goes back to the beginning of Ksuvis. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Kitanoi, in reality, this is Maklokes Tanoim. Admasa Abbas Nizonis, Nabosei, we're switching gears a little bit over here. This case, Admasa Abbas Nizonis, Nabosei, is the following case. Father passed away. Father passed away. Remember, when father passes away, where is, his, where is his orphan daughter supported from? Where is she supported from? The estate. In other words, as much as maybe sons inherit, that's fine, they might have the title, but the said the estate has an obligation to support the daughters. Until Arison. Once Arison comes, then what? Then what? Now the husband has an ob- the, the Aros has an obligation to support his wife. Rabbi Lazar says, no, the estate has an obligation to support her up until Bagrus. Tani Rav Yosef, Ad Diahavyon. Rav Yosef says, ultimately again, Ad Diahavyon, Rav Yosef, Diahavyon Haloshon Havia means up until marriage. Ibailo, which stage of marriage? Ibailo, Havia de Erisin or Havia de Nisuin? Doesn't mean that the estate has to support the daughter up until Erisin or up until Nisuin. Teku. Ultimately, again, that question was left unresolved. Right? Did you hear anything about what Rabbi Yehuda says? So remember, again, we're talking over here. We're talking over here specifically about an orphan's daughter's support from the estate. Does an orphan daughter who is in Arusa, is she supported from, she supported from the estate of her deceased father, from the estate or is the support obligation from her? So I said, well, I have to stop over here for today. <coughs> we'll stop, okay? We did, it, we did all right, considering the amount of time that we had. I apologize, the speed at which we went. We'll pick up here at Mir Sasha. We're going to start here tomorrow morning at 4.30. Um, we're gonna, <laughs> no, we're going to start at 5.45 at Mir Sasha. <coughs> By 5.45, we'll catch up. We'll say, we'll start for today. We'll say, Shkoyach, a good Chodesh, a special Mazel Tov to Shmuel Franco. I'm putting on tefillin today for the first time on Rosh Chodesh Elo. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. Shkach Avosai. What are you showing? Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. It doesn't scare. Everyone's going to have a great day, everyone. Correct. Correct. I still got a